From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep. We dive deep into our Catholic faith. We're going to explore some radical discipleship today. I'm your host, Andrew Hansen, with Amber Servany. Deacon Patrick O'Toole is with us. How are you, Deacon? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me on the show. You're so welcome. So really quick bio about Deacon Patrick. He's the director for the Office of the Missions here at the Diocese. He's also a deacon at parishes in Raymond, Morrisonville, and Farmersville. But not for long. Well, that's a fact. Yeah, and that's why he's here. We mentioned radical discipleship because you were doing something. Uh, most people would say you're crazy. Right. I think about everyone would say you're crazy. And I'm going to put it bluntly. You're getting on a bus with your with nine children, nine, nine of your children. Right. With your wife. And you're going to travel the country for several years. Yeah, that's the plan anyway. <laughs> We'll see how it turns out. Yeah. What the heck are you doing? Well, I Tell don't know, us all you know, about this. This is happening in January. What, what, what take us back. What, what, what are you doing? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a long convoluted journey that's got us to this point, but it's, it's, uh, it's something that's been percolating within, within me that I think God's been calling me to for a long time. Um, uh, but he's been preparing me for it. And I think finally, uh, the time has arrived. So if I take you back 25 years ago, when I kind of had a conversion experience, if you will, I mean, I'm a cradle Catholic. I've always been a Catholic and always attended mass on Sunday, but that was about the extent of my faith. Um, but I went through a Bible study with a former Catholic and I started listening to Dr. Charles Stanley, a, a Baptist preacher in Atlanta on the radio every day. And it really caused me to dig into the scriptures. And as I dug into the scriptures, I found some interesting things there. And what it ultimately did was uh, prompt me to go back to school in pursuit of a theology degree so that I could begin to live in my faith a little more. And at the end of my senior year uh, for my project, I did a parish mission in a local parish because that's really what I was feeling called to do, uh, kind of preach uh, out there in the parishes. And I was really feeling like I needed to reach me, that cradle Catholic who's sitting there in the pew, but really is not living his faith uh, fully. And so uh, I remember the second night of the uh, parish mission, my uh, advisor came, had been there both nights and came up to me afterwards. And I said, well, what did you think, Dr. Hagstrom? And she said, well, uh, there was less heresy than the first night. <laughs> <laughs> so that I'll, was I'll, the beginning of my career. <laughs> I thought the answer was going to be, you should get on a bus, take your children for a couple years, drive around the country and help people. But that was the thing. They kept asking me, what are you going to do with this theology degree? And that was really my answer, that I had kind of this vision maybe of being a Baptist tent preacher, kind of going around the country, mm. leading revivals, uh, is really mm. what was in my heart or on my Interesting. heart. But life took me down a different path than that. Uh, and so that kind of got put on the back burner uh, as my wife and I uh, journeyed a little, but ultimately ended up in Morrisonville, Illinois. I uh, wasn't a deacon yet. I was uh, working as the director of faith formation for the parish and um, had the opportunity to get involved with the diaconate program. And I thought, no, this is crazy. I don't think I'm deacon material, uh, but they took me. And it was a five-year journey, let me tell you. Uh, a couple of times they probably should have cut me loose, yeah. but they decided not to. So I got ordained a deacon 10 years ago. Uh, for our diocese. And um, during that time, I was doing a little bit of, of parish mission work, but not much. But once I became a deacon, uh, that kind of opened that door a little bit more for me, kind of gave me some credentials, the ability to preach at mass for one. Uh, and so then I started doing quite a bit of, of parish mission work around the diocese. I think I've done a parish mission in 30 of our parishes over the course of my 10 years. 
Uh, and so that just became more and more of uh, who I felt God was calling me to be. And I, I base that on the fact that I'm an introvert by nature. I kind of live inside of my own head a lot. But when I'm up there uh, preaching a parish mission, I feel alive. I mean, it energizes me. Uh, so it just makes me feel like it's part of who God created me to be. But so, I have responsibilities. And, and of course, during this process, you and your wife are, you're having many children. We as are well. kind of one every two years. Uh, you know, so we lived in Morrisonville for 14 years now. Seven of our 10 children have been born in Morrisonville, Illinois. So uh, establishing some real roots in this diocese. Um, but as time went on, of course, I have my responsibilities as the deacon in those parishes. And I've always worked for the diocese, first in the marriage and family life office, and then at the retreat center, and now in the mission office. So I've always had full-time ministry as what I do uh, in this time I've been a deacon. But on the side, I've continued to preach parish missions and conferences all around the United States. I've been to New York and Arizona and Florida and worked the Midwest pretty hard. So, so, it, so when you were doing those those step spots, I'll say, around the country, is that when that light kind of had on? Like, you know, well, that this was, is kind of cool right. being around the country. I mean, that was all kind of the process. But as, you, but as I said, from the very beginning, I kind of had that on my heart that I was going to travel, but obviously you start bringing a large family into the world and put some roots down and you think, well, maybe not. Um, but one of the things that happened in our journey is uh, my wife became a nurse um, about six years ago. So she's been working as a nurse uh, five, about five years now, an emergency room nurse. And what that opened up for us is the possibility for her to do travel nursing, which is three month assignments uh, at various places, pays fairly well. Um, and so with that knowledge that she could basically support our family, uh, as we did this traveling, that opened up the thought process for us again, is maybe this is what we're being called to my opportunity to preach, be an itinerant preacher, if you will, um, while she uh, works in the various places as a nurse to kind of support us. And so you can do that by renting a house in each of those places, but the bus seemed more, <laughs> exciting to us, I guess. So was she on board from the beginning? Cause I can, I can get you having this thought like this sounds cool and fun and exciting, but then taking it to her and her being like, was she equally excited or like, she's always been tolerant mind. of the idea, um, supportive of the idea. But in this last year, she's become excited about the idea. And that's really what made me kind of believe maybe the time has arrived because, you know, I retired from the diocese five years ago to pursue full-time mission work, uh, preaching, formed my own O'Toole Ministries and my own website and really believed that's where I was destined to be. Uh, but then then Monsignor Kemi uh, kind of persuaded me to take over the Villa Maria. And I promised him five years at the time, and that five years was up in April. And so we feel like the transition time has arrived and, and we're excited. And she's probably more excited than me at this point, which makes me feel like it must be the right time. <laughs> so, so, so give us the, the logistics here. So you're, you're leaving in January. You got, you literally have like a, a bus. Well, we're hoping to have a bus. Uh, if your listeners would pray that our bus would uh, make itself known. I mean, I believe God has a bus picked out for us. He just hasn't revealed <laughs> hasn't, yeah. it yet. So uh, you're, you're going to get on a bus and you are, you already have dioceses or parishes lined up or how's no, that we'll, we'll make those decisions three months at a time. And so about a month before the uh, three months ends, you kind of pick your next assignment. And so she'll have the opportunity to look through a long list of possibilities 
and we'll discern which of those is the one we're called to. Our first assignment will be down in Florida, um, mainly because uh, now I know why you decided yeah, to do this. It's January, February, January, and March. <laughs> but my mother, uh, my two sisters both live down there. And so the backup plan, if we still do not have a bus is we'll move in with grandma uh, while we take that first three months and continue to search for our bus. The problem with finding a bus for us is, you know, an RV or a motor home will not suit 11 people sleeping seven days a week. That's just not what they're built for. The only thing built for that is an entertainer bus, a band bus bunk beds, because that's really all the bus is for is for the band to sleep while they move to the next gig overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we've got to have one of those buses. Well, that's a pretty special uh, niche market. Can you drive one of those? Uh, well, I will learn to <laughs> quickly, I hope. Oh my gosh. Uh, but there are only four dealers of those in the country, uh, two in Nashville and two in North Carolina. And so we've got one, a broker in, in Nashville that's searching for us. The problem is, of course, we're at the low end of the price range for our particular <laughs> situation. So it, it's limited, but we've had a couple of real possibilities. What's the I, name of your band? Did you guys come yeah, up with exactly. that? Yeah, exactly. Tool Ministries. That's all we're putting on the side of the bus. Are so, you really putting that on the side of the we bus? Are, oh, we will. nice. That's great. <laughs> so, so are you, are you going into parishes and, and just being a deacon there? I, 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 well, what the situation, of, of course, this is the other reason that I feel like it's time. Three years ago, um, because I'm a deacon, uh, I've, I've pledged a vow of obedience, a promise of obedience to the Bishop of Springfield and all of his successors. So I really can't exercise my ministry as a deacon without my bishop's permission. So about three years ago, um, my wife and I sought the bishop's permission to take our family into the mission field, uh, probably Central and South America is where we were thinking, for two years. And he discerned with us uh, for two months on that whole calling. And uh, with his advice, we determined that wasn't what we were called to. But through that process of, of uh, the bishop discerning with us, he got to know us a little more intimately and me in particular, more intimately than we had known each other before that point. And so when, it, when I felt that this call was real, when my wife and I did, I went to the bishop and said, Bishop, this is what we're feeling called to, and, and we'd like you to discern this with us. And ultimately, uh, he gave permission and, in fact, gave his blessing uh, on this ministry. I, in my mind, Bishop is sending us on mission uh, because we'll still be a, I'll still be a deacon here, still be his deacon, and the expectation is I eventually will settle back into the diocese. So, so Bishop gave us that permission, but what that means is once we know what diocese we're going to be living in for three months, then uh, the chancellor, Father House, will have to send a letter of good standing to that diocese that says that I'm worthy of faculties, but then that diocese will have to determine whether they want to grant me faculties. Okay. Uh, but what I will do once that happens is send a, a letter to the diocese saying, I'm going to be here for three months. Here's all the things I've done. If I can be of any use, please, uh, I, I'd be glad to. But ultimately, I'll settle in a parish and work as a deacon there uh, in a parish that maybe could use a deacon for those three months. And what I will do is then contact all the parishes in that diocese and say, you know, look, I do parish missions. I don't know if you have one lined up this Lent, but, uh, but I'm available. I'm in the neighborhood. I'm cheap. Uh, you know, <laughs> anything to do to get in the door and kind of further the ministry. And in the meantime, my wife will be working full time so that we eat uh, regularly. And, and you'll also be educating your kids because you're going to continue to homeschool. You right. do that now, but you're going to obviously continue to I mean, of course, as I've said, one of the reasons we can even consider this idea is that we homeschool our children. Obviously, we don't have to pull them out of school to do this. 
Um, so, but that's going to be the, one of the big transitions. My wife has been the primary homeschooler for 20 years. Uh, now I'm going to be the primary homeschooler and I don't think the kids have any idea. <laughs> All the homework coming their school. way. <laughs> oh, so no, no, your no. wife is on board. What happened when you told your kids you were going to do this? You know, that's the amazing thing. Another reason that I just feel this is call is real from God is virtually no one we've told this to has said, you're crazy. What are you doing? I was the first person yeah, to say that too. I was like, really? <laughs> they may have been thinking it, but they didn't say it. What they've almost to a person said is, that sounds exciting. It sounds like a movie. What an adventure, you know, something like that. But so then the, the other qualifiers, yes. How do the kids react? Because I have four teenagers in my house right now, um, all of which had some level of boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, and so what has helped is we didn't announce this and leave a month later. We announced this back in June that we had felt this call and this is what we're going to do to our children. Well, they've had going to be six months before we leave to let go process. And they're really all on board. I mean, I, I think they're like anybody. They see it as an adventure. They're going to get to see the country. Um, and that'll be part of what their homework is. You know, we'll learn about Oregon when we live in Oregon and so I think I think they're excited. As a matter of fact, I think they're too excited because uh, I don't think they've really thought through some of the downside because <laughs> it's one of those you don't know what you don't know. But I've been thinking and I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but but to, to get into that a little bit more. Um, OK, yeah, I think I'll be honest. I think some people are thinking you're crazy. I, I guarantee you they're thinking uh, it. most um, of them haven't said it. But this, uh, I have the, the opportunity this has for your family to grow at probably leaps and bounds that you and your wife have probably never even thought of before. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing we know for sure. We are going to discover blessings from this that we didn't even anticipate. You know, I told you the story about a few years back, we decided to turn the power off for Advent in our house to kind of be in solidarity with a mission priest that we had spent some time with that summer. And, you know, I just thought we'd get that experience of suffering a little, of a little hardship, of what life's like somewhere else so that we could feel some empathy. But there were so many blessings for that. And I would say the greatest one was we only had two lanterns in the house for that time. So at night, there was one in the bathroom that stayed there and there was one in whatever room we were in. So if we're in the kitchen cooking, it was there. If we're eating, it was in the dining room. If it was any other time, it was in the family room. And so what ended up happening, of course, is everybody's in that room. It's the only room with light. And so over time, what we discovered is it brought our family so much closer together. Number one, there's no electronics to play with for 30 days. There's no television to watch. There's no music to listen to. We're kind of isolated and we're all in the same space. And so what did so, you, you do? Well, we played games a lot. Okay. You know? we, we're a card playing family for the most part. Unfortunately, uh, maybe to my chagrin, all of my children know how to play poker. So we, <laughs> we played a lot of poker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And it was interesting. What you, what reminded me, what you said that is father house who our other co-host on, on the show, he talked about when, when he went to do mission work, the people who have the least are the most joyful. Oh my gosh. That is absolutely true. I've experienced the same thing. I've been to Ethiopia on mission to Belize and twice to Mexico. And I remember when I came home from Ethiopia, I was talking to what was then my 18 year old daughter and I was telling her, Kaylee, you just wouldn't believe what I experienced. These people are living in mud huts and they are joyful. They're happy. And they're full of faith. Right. That's the other thing. Not only are they joyful, yes, they are. In yes, they celebrate <laughs> liturgy with joy. There is no question. 
And my daughter, of course, said to me, dad, they're not happy. Hmm. Because in our culture, to think about having nothing as we would view it, you couldn't possibly be happy. Yet how many times do we meet kids who have everything, entertainment everywhere they turn, and they tell you, I'm bored. Hmm. It's a sad state of affairs. And really, in my mind, that's the mission that I've been sent on to kind of wake us up. You know, I deal with a lot of missionary priests because of my job in the mission office. And that's exactly what they consider themselves, missionaries to America and our spiritual poverty. So we mentioned at the top, radical discipleship. This is about as radical as as it gets. Uh, We're stewardship and discipleship diocese. Um, What's your advice for, for, for all all of us lay Catholics who aren't going to get on a bus and go tour the country, but who can, who can go on mission to use your phrase. Right. And what I would say is part of what we have to do if we really want to be disciples, it's not about a set of ideas or a set of beliefs. It's about a set of actions. You have to put your faith in action. That's what discipleship is all about. Taking action based on what you know and believe to be the truth. And so I like to think sometimes that we're setting an example that maybe that I know God doesn't call everybody to. I mean, God doesn't call everybody to be St. Teresa or St. Francis, but he calls them to set an example, maybe a standard that most of us aren't ever going to reach, but a standard that some human did reach. And so then maybe it calls us to take a little more step. And so part of our ministry, we have always believed of our large family that we've been called to is to just encourage people. So, yeah, maybe you don't want to have 10 or 12 children. But maybe instead of three, you'll have a fourth one because you look at us and say, well, they can manage 10. We could probably manage one more. Actually, I said it to my wife a lot with, with, with three. <laughs> like, well, geez, my grandma had 10. Yeah, she, exactly. She was just fine. <laughs> but it's the same thing with this radical decision. One of the things that we did to prepare for this a couple of months ago is we gave away all of our possessions. Wait, hold on, hold on, really quick. You're throwing out things. You're ta- you're turning you're turning off electricity now. You're you're gonna define because this is radical. The only thing we have define that for us <laughs> is mattresses on the floor and the clothes we'll take with us on the bus. A few things that we believe will belong in the kitchen on the bus, or you know, if, but nothing in our house that we don't think is going on the bus. And I suspect once the bus arrives, even some of what we kept thinking it would go on the bus is not going to make it on the bus. But so we gave away all of our furniture. We gave you know, we, we just divested ourselves of all that. And I know I was talking to my boss, Mike Christie, and he said, well, you're not leaving until January, right? I said, yeah. Shouldn't you have waited a few months? I said, well, here's my philosophy. We are living a very Spartan life right now. I mean, bare bones. My hope is that the kids will move on to the bus and say, dad, this, is this un- place is great. <laughs> Are you getting grumbles? They'll all, they'll all have their own bed. That's that yeah. is going to be a. That's one of the things most of them are looking forward to. They've never had their own bed in their whole life. Really, this is high. You're you're, you're taking them on a high life <laughs> that's adventure. What I'm thinking. <laughs> you're not crazy after that's all. Right. You're a genius. <laughs> Why didn't I think of it? Can I come with my yeah, three exactly. kids? Exactly. <laughs> more the merrier. <laughs> Are the kids complaining though? When you did this change, when you got rid of like, listen. Oh, there was definitely the teenagers were doing a little grumbling early. Uh, I will tell you though, the giving things away, they embrace that pretty quickly because I, and I know I experienced it myself. It's very freeing to just let go of that stuff and to have nothing really holding you down. Because if you think about it, our house and our job and our furniture and our schools, they kind of hold us down. 
I mean, they make us feel like we have to stay here. Uh, and I always say, no, you don't. You're free. You can go. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what are you looking forward to the most with this adventure? I'll call it an adventure. And what what are you uh, most scared of? Well, you know, I think one of the reasons Bishop might have discerned that this was from God was when I said to him, I said, you know, Bishop, most men reach my age and they realize they kind of miss the boat with their kids. They were so busy building their careers and making something and supporting their family that they didn't spend the time with their kids that they wish they had now that they're gone. Well, the advantage for me is even though I've reached that age of realizing that I still have nine children at home. So my hope is that for those nine children, I'm sure their older brothers and sisters will be angry with me, but for those nine children, I believe I will be such, such a more integral part of their life that that can't help but influence them. I hope in a good way. Um, because the statistics are overwhelming that say a father's involvement uh, radically uh, impacts the choices the children make as they get older. And so my hope is for my personal hope uh, takeaway is because I become their homeschooling father and when I'm in the bus with them. And the truth is, when I go out to preach a mission, they're part of my road crew. Uh, some of the kids go with me every time. So they hear the message. They help me set up. They meet the people. Um, uh, it, so I believe, and my hope is that that will be the greatest benefit um, of doing this. For my kids, I think the greatest benefit will be they're going to create a bond as brothers and sisters that will be unbreakable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they already, because they've been homeschooled for so long, they have that kind of bond, but uh, they've they've not experienced the closeness <laughs> and intimacy that they are about to experience. Uh, and it may tear them apart a little on the bus, but once they're into their own lives, they will never forget the experience. Yeah, so this is, this is like, just say you're living a movie and a, uh, you're a rock, <laughs> rock band right. all, all in one. You guys are going to break up like three times and, and, then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then reunite We're and for a back. great tour. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So is, is there one thing you're, I'll say the word scared or is there anything that, that I you're fearful the, of? Yeah. The thing that I don't think they realize. Besides getting a flat tire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, the bus breaking down on the side of the road is going to happen. I mean, my, my wife and I just talked about it the other day. Uh, honey, we're going to get stranded on the side of the road at some point. There's just no way it's not going to happen. And that's okay. We'll it only give, adds to the story. We'll give, exactly. I always tell people, either your plans will go perfect, great, or they won't. And you'll have a good story to tell. <laughs> that's true. I like the good stories like personally. So I'm always up for breaking down. I, I, I run out of gas a lot. Some people would say intentionally. You said that to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you watch Seinfeld, the Seinfeld yeah. episode where Kramer purposely, <laughs> they, you know, takes the car out and, you know, they, it's all the way past, it's past E. Oh, we got to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I just did it the other night. I called, I was leaving here. We, one of the sacrifices we're making right now in this uh, quest for our bus and uh, fasting to add to our prayers is we've agreed that uh, one tank of gas is all you get for the week. So my wife, myself, and my daughter um, have agreed. Well, I was driving home for work, and because I had to make a couple trips to St. Louis for my granddaughter, my van was on empty. And I mean, on the light was on when I pulled in in the morning for work. <laughs> I live 45 minutes from here. I called my daughter. My wife was at work, and I said, I'm on my way home. Just be prepared. I may need you to bring me a gas can. Now, I had money in my pocket. There's no reason I shouldn't have just pulled in and got gas, right? Right. Except we said we were only going to go with one tank of gas a week. 
Did you run out of gas? I got home. Amazingly. <laughs> I was prepared for whatever happened. Wait, that's like mathematical. I mean, I'm I, telling you, this was a minor miracle. That's the Holy wow. Spirit right there. He gave you some good gas mileage. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking. So would you say that kind of thing, though? I was thinking about like your discernment process and all of this. Like, what's kind of what does that look like for you? Like, what's your prayer life been like that gets you to the point where like I'm giving giving away everything? I'm getting on a bus. Like, what does that look like? Well, it's crazy. You know, when we did the charism study here at the uh pastoral center a few years back. One of the, the strongest charisms I have is, is what they called faith. But by faith, it meant just a complete trust in God, even when it doesn't make sense, was kind of the charism. And I definitely have that charism of just, eh, I'm good. It'll work out. God's never let me down before. He won't let me down today. And even if he does, he's got a reason. I'm I was good. below empty. I made 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but so anyway, the process that I've gone through, we've made some major changes in our 20 years of marriage, major life altering decisions. Uh, this being the latest, of course. And we kind of have a process we work through because what we want to determine is, is this just what I want to do? Or is Satan actually deceiving me and saying, you know, you ought to give up that mission job and that deacon thing. Just leave that all behind. That sounds like a good plan. Or is it God actually calling us to this? And there's really a step-by-step process we work through to make that decision. And one of the things that I know, if it's from Satan, what you can expect is that you'll be hearing, well, do what you want. That's what the most important thing in this life is. Do whatever you want. Just do it. That's Satan's words. Secondly, he'll say, you know, just live for the moment. Don't worry about the future. Just live for today. That's what life is all about. He'll say, don't worry about what anybody else says about this. I don't care if they say don't do it. You do it anyway. And finally, typically, he will say, you know what's best. You don't need anybody else's opinion. So if I look at that list and I say, yeah, that sounds like how this decision's going, then I'm like, okay, I don't want any part of this. This is not from God. This is likely from just the opposite case. Now, when it comes to, well, maybe this is just my idea. Maybe God has nothing to do with this. And I'm saying God's calling me. So then how could you tell me not to do it? God called me. (laughs) Well, uh, God would say, you know, if this is from me, it's going to be about selflessness. It's going to be about self-giving. So to give away everything you have and go out on mission doesn't sound selfish to me. So I'm going to think, okay, pass that one. Um, it will always be with an eye towards eternity if it's from God. You'll always be thinking, what has this got to do with salvation? And in particular, in my case, about the salvation of my children, I really believe this is an important part of my responsibility to lead them to God. I think this is going to give me an opportunity to really impact their faith. Uh, And of course, by our example, in and of itself, it's telling them something. Um, If this is from God, you will have been seeking godly counsel about it. And the truth is, we know a couple that has done this exact thing. They have a family band. It's a a guy and his four daughters. But they took their six children, the two of them, out on the road to just do a concert tour, relying on simply collections to uh, keep them alive. And so we they were just in our parish performing and and we've had them at our house and had dinner with them and. Kind of. Do you, do you even have a kitchen table for him? Well, we had, the parish has tables. <laughs> okay. See, so we live in a parish house. And what we did in the last month is we moved off of the two ground floors and 
We're just living on the top floor. And they've converted those into the PSR classroom. So all those downstairs rooms have tables and chairs because the PSR classes meet. So we use okay, one of their tables right. for dinner. <laughs> just making sure. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. sure you weren't sitting on the floor while you had guests over. And of course, they know another couple who's doing the exact same thing we're doing, travel nursing with their family on the road. We don't know them personally, but we've seen, we had seen their story. Uh, they call themselves the Swiss family Robersons. <laughs> and we'd seen their story on YouTube. And when we were thinking about doing this and sure enough, this couple that we know are friends of theirs and just had them at their house last week. So, so we kind of feel like we've sought counsel about, is this really doable or is this just a crazy idea? But finally, um, what you know is that your knowledge is limited. And God's knowledge is infinite. So when you're thinking about doing something like this, are you really seeking out information to make sure you, you're not just blindly stepping off the cliff, that you kind of have a plan? And so, again, I feel confident that while this is something I've desired for a long time, I believe that desire was placed in my heart by God. And the time has finally arrived. And, and I think that's mostly what this is about. But the last thing is, this is really, in my mind, how you know that this is from God. First of all, it's consistent with the word of God. So if you're into your scriptures, you know that God told the rich young man, sell everything you have, and give it away. So that feeling to do that, that is scriptural. And of course, it's not a call that God places on everybody's heart. I've always said when I use that, I hope he doesn't give me that one. And sure enough, he did. <laughs> but you know, if you think about Mother Teresa or St. Francis, that's exactly what they did. You know, how'd that work out for them? St. Teresa and St. <laughs> Francis uh, worked out pretty well. <laughs> I don't know how it worked out in their immediate daily life, but I know ultimately it worked out well. So I feel confident that it'll work out well for us as well. But even the whole idea that God has said, you know, go make disciples. And while I can make disciples and have worked hard in this diocese, uh, I think I can broaden that scope a little bit by, by following this. And so I think it's scriptural. Uh, oftentimes, when it is from God, it will be in conflict with conventional wisdom. Well, I'm pretty confident this is in conflict with conventional wisdom, mm -hmm. even within my own family. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure we can check that box off. Uh, it often will clash with base human lusts. And so in this case, I would say that desire to materialism, consumerism to have and to hold, this idea conflicts with that because you can only, no matter what you want to have, you only got a limited amount of space. You can only have a certain amount of stuff. So it definitely tampens that desire that I think within all of us uh, and has to be managed. Um, always God will challenge you to take your faith to a new level because that's what he's trying to do with all of us. I don't, you know, I always say, I don't care if you're Mother Teresa or if you're somebody who's peering into the depths of hell. God is just asking you to take one step. Get a step away from there, Mother Teresa, and take it up a notch. We've got more work for you to do. God's always just saying, take one more step. We're all at a different place on the journey. God's not saying, I need you to go from the depths of hell to Mother Teresa. He's just saying, take a step. Hmm. He's always challenging us to raise our faith. And this, is, of course, challenged our family. And I think the beauty of this bus thing has challenged my kids. We fasted yesterday uh, as part of it. And my kids, you know, we traditionally, they do the Catholic fast where you get, you know, a small meal, a small meal, and a meal that doesn't exceed the two. My generation was trained, you just don't eat. That's what fasting <laughs> means. You don't eat. So my kids have experienced not eating yesterday. We fast, agreed to fast on Wednesdays. And two of them go to the FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, in the mornings at the local school on Wednesdays, and they serve French toast that morning. And my kids had to just 
not have their French toast. Will you guys, is, is fast food off the table while you're on the road? Uh, no, fast food will never be off the table. We are fast food people. However, uh, that's one of the things, again, that we're fasting from during this uh, time when this transition is happening. We're not eating out at all. So, uh, And that's, again, a preparation for the bus because most all of our meals will be taken on the bus. Okay. Uh, we're not going to be out a lot like we are now. Um, it, our life is just going to change, so that won't be the case. But finally, I guess I would say that if the message is from God, it calls you to some level of personal courage that you kind of have to step out in faith. Um, and that's what builds your faith, stepping out in faith and finding God trustworthy. Uh, and so at this point, we feel pretty confident this is God calling us. Um, and you got Bishop Aprocki back in you. And that's, there's that's, the bottom that's, that's line. Good, when yeah. the bishop <laughs> gave us his blessing, and, you know, I, I, in, the, in the letter that I had written to Bishop before the meeting, I had said, you know, Bishop, what we really are seeking is your blessing. And so we sat and talked for a while, and, and we, he agreed that, yeah, I think this is what you're being called for. And so I got up to leave and shook his hand and started to leave. He said, well, wait a minute. Let me give you my blessing. And he literally gave me his blessing. So I feel pretty confident that God's sending us through the bishop. You know, I consider us on mission for the diocese. This is the first time, Amber, I don't know if I've heard the discernment process like that, the, what you just laid out. Question, what is it? Question A, question B. How often, how often are you using that? I mean, obviously you're not using that. Should I have a sub sandwich for right. lunch or a piece of pizza today? But, you know, is, is that constantly churning in your mind? Yeah, I can remember that probably the first time I can remember as a, as a family, us using that process, but well, that's where it began was when we decided to get rid of the television. Um, I met a lot of resistance. My brother called me and said, you're being cruel to your children. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, conventional wisdom doesn't say throw away your television. I don't think. So it was a rough decision for us, but we worked through the process and we believed it was the right thing to do. And you know, the funny thing is, it was about two years later, my brother had ter- attended a parish mission and he called me that Sunday night and he said, I think you might be right about that television thing. <laughs> now, unfortunately, because of the internet, you know, the television, you don't have to have a television to have television That's anymore. True. Well, you said you play <laughs> poker, so I'm assuming yeah. you got a bunch of poker sharks. Yeah, and exactly. You're, you're, you're gonna be, once they're 21, they're going to be <laughs> raking it in. Well, my son's graduating from the Marines next week, and I have a feeling he's probably been sitting at boot camp playing poker with his buddies. I think he'll come home fairly wealthy, I'm guessing. Uh, all right, so uh, let's close it out here, Deacon right. Patrick. So uh, you're leaving in January. How can people follow you? Or how can we follow along in this journey with you? Well, unfortunately, I don't have it all up and running yet, but deaconpat.org is my website. Uh, I'm working on, on getting it. Uh, it was up before, you know, five years ago when I was out and I kind of let it go dormant. Now I'm bringing it back to life. But so deaconpat.org. Um, but for sure, my, my email at the diocese will remain because I'm still a deacon in this diocese. So potool at dio.org will be my email uh, for sure for moving forward. And you can contact me. And I guess what I would ask is that anybody that out there listening, you know, pray for us. This is a big transition. It is a big unknown we feel very confident about it, but again, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, so pray for us. Most especially pray that, that we find that bus that God <laughs> yeah, kind of, quits testing don't get the our bus. faith and brings us the bus. <laughs> this entire podcast is worthless if you don't <laughs> yeah, get the exactly, bus. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but so pray for us and, and for sure. And then eventually uh, we'll be on social media. My uh, 16-year-old son is going to be responsible for our social media presence and 
I imagine will be everywhere. I'm not really the social media guy, but I'm sure he'll have us on every platform there is, including our own YouTube channel. So you can watch our misadventures, uh, especially when the the bus breaks down. Absolutely. And of course, that's the only thing people want to see. They don't want to see daily life. They want to see the tragedies. And I'm good with that. They're what's fun. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, And then really quick, financially, if people want to donate, is there a way? Well, eventually, yeah. O'Toole Ministries uh, is not yet a nonprofit, but it will be. And so eventually through the website at deaconpat.org, there will be that opportunity. But but for now, if for some reason you wanted to help us on this journey, you would just have to reach out to me here at the diocese uh, through the end of the year. Gotcha. Deacon Patrick O'Toole joining us here on Dive Deep. Well, all the best to you and your family come January. Well, thanks. Thanks. We're excited. (laughs) We'll be praying for you. That has been Dive Deep. If you want more podcasts, go to dial.org slash podcast. We'll see you next time. 